podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we're continuing our series uh, towards a hospitable faith, and this message is entitled Pressing On, how our trials, tribulations, our hurts, and hangups can actually create a hospitable place, place for other people to encounter God. We want to thank everybody who joined us last weekend for our Bag Hunger Outreach. We collected over 3,500 pounds of food for the Columbia, uh, Covington Food Bank. They were very appreciative of that. And uh, we had a great time eating some barbecue too. Don't forget, we've got two services starting in just a couple of weeks on September 20th. But for now, let's head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. says for zeal he was persecuting the church now if you read the letters of paul paul often refers to himself he says i'm the least of the prophets i mean the least of the apostles because i persecuted the church you can tell even years after his conversion that paul is still struggling with with some of the things from his past that he did but he says i'm pressing on in other words paul is not denying what he did He's not saying, la, 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 God loves me. He covered it under the blood. I'm a new creation in Christ. Wait, he actually wrote all that stuff, by the way. Um, He's not just saying, he's not just putting some coat of pain over it. I think we imagine that Jesus does that with our past sometimes. Like, he just takes a paintbrush out and puts a little coat of paint, and so nobody can see it. Paul's not getting at that. Paul can actually own the things he's done because now he's looking through the lens of redemption, reconciliation. He's encountered the grace of God, and now there's no sting of shame in it. So many of us carry around things. It's our own stuff. It may come from our childhood. Maybe you were sexually abused as a child and you feel like you're damaged goods. Maybe you have cheated on your spouse. Maybe your spouse has cheated on you. Maybe you have a secret addiction to pornography or pills or maybe you've embezzled money. Maybe you have seen the results of your own anger towards your children and you've seen how destructive it is and you carry shame because of that. And we carry this stuff around so often we don't know what to do with it. And we come into church and we just hide it, put it away. Because if anybody finds out about this, I can't be a part. About 13 years ago, I went to my first vineyard worship retreat. It's become one of my favorite parts of the year. I've been going to these retreats for 13 years now. And... But the first one that I went to, I just, I'd been on staff at the Kenner Vineyard for about a year. And we were doing seven services at that time. And for some reason, I didn't think we could take weekends off. 
So I, I'd, I'd been doing seven services a weekend without having a weekend off. And needless to say, I'd led about seven years worth of worship uh, for the normal vineyard uh, worship leader in a regular church. And I was burned out. I was tired. And I was starting to struggle again with things that I thought I had put behind me. And because of that, I felt like an absolute hypocrite getting up there and leading worship. But it was my paycheck. And I couldn't really tell my pastor because he was my boss. (laughs) You see the predicament? (laughs) Like, I want to get some help here, but I can't tell you because, like, I work for you. It's, It's a conflict of interest. So I went to this Vineyard Worship Leaders conference, and right before I went there, I said, Dina, I'm going to go get around some Vineyard Worship Leaders because I don't know any, and I'm going to figure out if I am one, and if I am, then great, but if I'm not, I'm going to quit my job when I get back because I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of feeling like a, a, a hypocrite <laughs> as, as a minister. I'm tired of feeling like a, 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 a hypocrite and a failure as a husband and a father. I'm done. So I get up there to this worship conference, and the first day, the, the guy who uh, was sharing was this older fella, and he began to share about how he struggled in the same areas where I was struggling for the first 10 years of being a Christian. And all of a sudden, I was sitting there. It's the first time in my 10 years of being a Christian that I'd ever heard another person be open and transparent about their struggles. 10 years! Which, that's quite an indictment, by the way. Like, I was in ministry. <laughs> I mean, I was up in the middle of church. I'd been to churches all around the country 10 years before I'd heard somebody share uh, with that level of transparency. And so, in that moment, I'm sitting there, and for the first time, I began to have some hope. Oh, by the way, I want to share a little quick story. The women... Did this lovely flower garden. Isn't this nice? Isn't it joyful? Happy? Doesn't it brighten up your day? Um, Judy told me before they were going to do this project, she said, um, I was feeling like I would like to put this, the word hope and in, in, in like this sun up on top, but is it okay to do hope instead of love? <laughs> like, sure. You know, whatever you feel God's showing you. And, you know, when we first started... Celebrate Recovery, it was right, at, right around the time they did this. And I really felt like God told me, for many people coming to Celebrate Recovery, this is the first time in their life they've had hope. And I really believe that, that this was a message, not just something pretty to decorate our walls, but I really believe that that, that was a message that God was trying to say. Like, like there's, there's hope. Like, no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of stuff you carry around, there is hope. There is a way forward. And so I was sitting there listening to this guy talking, and, and part of me was starting to feel hope for the first time, but the other part of me was going, oh, great. I thought we were going to talk about worship songs, and we're talking about this. Like, God, I didn't come here to talk about this. And so after the guy gets finished speaking, he says, okay, we're going to break up into our little small groups for, for prayer ministry. And I knew what was coming. I knew I was going to have to do what this guy did up there and share my struggle. I'd been a Christian for about 10 years at the time, and I knew I was going to have to, for the first time, open up my mouth and be transparent with some other people and share my struggle. Probably about 1995, I went on a trip to Indonesia 
and I was staying with this expat family that worked for Shell, and it was towards the end of my trip, and they said, hey, you want to go bungee jumping? I said, you buying? Yeah. I was like, sure. So we went to this bungee jumping place, and this platform, it was a little higher, I think, than they allow it to be in the United States. (laughs) It was like 12 or 15 floors up a platform. And from the ground, looking up at it, it did not look terribly intimidating. It looked doable. But when you get up on the edge of that thing, and you've got these rubber bands tied around your ankles, even, even knowing that nobody has died at this facility, that they've had a perfect safety record, even knowing all of that, intellectually knowing that you're not going to, the chances are you're not going to actually die, Your body still thinks you're committing suicide. <laughs> like your body still, like, like, come on. Like, I think they actually had to finally kick me in the butt, you know. And I did this version. They, they offered the option where you could get dunked in a pool. There was a pool at the bottom. They're like, you want to be dunked? I'm like, sure. This is probably, like, probably the only time I'm ever going to do this. So I did the, the dunking option. And, uh, but it, it, it felt like suicide. That's the way I felt that morning in that small group. My, my small group leader was this guy, Reagan. And, and at the time, he, he, he was the son of the national director of the Vineyard Movement. I'm still young in the Vineyard. You know what I mean? I've been around the Vineyard about a year at that time. And my small group leader happens to be the son of the national director. And so my thoughts are at that moment, if I open up my mouth and share what I'm going through... <laughs> There is a blacklist for worship leaders, and I'm going to end up on it. I really thought that. Looking back on it now, I think it's silly. because, But that's what shame and isolation does to you, doesn't it? It distorts your thinking. The, the accusations of the enemy are, you're the only stupid person that does this. Aren't they? Nobody struggles the way that you do. You're different. I've found, even being a pastor... Most people struggle with just guard variety things. I mean, really, we all have junk that we struggle with. And so that morning, as much as I felt like I was committing suicide, <laughs> at least ministry suicide, I just opened my mouth and I began to share. And when I was done, I was not, you know, yelled at or criticized or judged. They just prayed for me and encouraged me. And it's like that song we sang this morning. You know, I feel a burden lift from me. I felt a burden lift from me. I felt an immediate change. Now, it was just the first step in a journey that I'm still on. I'm still pressing on. (laughs) But the amazing thing about that was that by this guy at that meeting opening up his mouth and sharing of his struggles, it gave me permission to share my struggles. And so from that point on, I've been able to share things that would have horrified me (laughs) in my early years of being a Christian. If you come to our Relate class on Tuesday nights, which is a little kind of relationship marriage class, much of what Dina and I share is not our successes in marriage. (laughs) We do not hold ourselves up as the model couple, like try to do everything we've done. Most of what we say is try not to do the things that we've done. We don't know how we're still here. (laughs) somehow (laughs) somehow we're still married after 18 years and we love each other but 
by golly. Most, much of the time, it, it didn't look like this was going to work out good at all. Why do we share that? Because I think it's the same reason Paul was able to share his story. If God can do this to me, then he can help anybody. If, God can show, if, if, if by God's grace, we're still here 18 years into this thing. I mean, I can tell you it's not because I'm a model husband or Dina's a model wife. It's, it's you know, somehow God has walked us along. There's hope. And so I found the, the wonderful thing about when, when we look at our past through the lens of Jesus, not suppressing it or denying it or hiding those things that, that are, are, are scary, when we can bring those things to the light, they can give other people permission to know that they're not alone. I say probably one of the things that I hear more often from people than anything that they get out of this church or, or you know, messages and stuff. It's not the, the, the parts of the message where I struggle, you know, trying to figure out the, the Greek word and the historical context and all that stuff that I really dig, you know, and reading these theological commentaries. It's, it's the times where I've just shared my struggles. And somebody's like, thank you. It's nice knowing I'm not alone. It's nice to have hope. There's power in that. And that's what Paul is saying. When we hear other people share their stories, their struggles, their hurts, their wounds, it gives us, to be, gives us permission to be honest with the painful and shameful things that we carry around. And then when we can share our stories without shame, it gives other people Permission to be honest as well. And this is the heart of a hospitable faith. We're talking about hospitality. But again, I want to say hospitality is much more than a cup of coffee and a smiling face. I've been to some great restaurants where their hospitality was amazing. They had a great hostess and a waiter who knew not have you know, knew to not come to the table too much and ask you how you're doing every three minutes and and the food was good. That's been great. But I can tell you, I experience hospitality every week of my life in the lives of the people in this church. And a lot of times it's not on a Sunday morning because I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off. But a lot of times it's just hanging out with friends, sharing a cigar, having lunch, celebrate recovery, times where you feel like you can actually be yourself, where you can let your hair down. This is who I am. And by the way, they don't have to be terribly deep times, by the way. Sometimes we, we associate being ourselves with like, let's get real, man. Let's dig everything up. No, I'm, I'm talking about just like, like just being yourself. That's Hospitality. When you can experience in a relationship the ability to be yourself with all your good and bad stuff and and still be loved by the other person, that's hospitality. It's disarming, and it's transformative. It changes us, doesn't it? I mean, I think if you can look at the relationships in your life where you can experience that, those relationships change you. And if you don't experience that... Hey, pray that God will show you how. 
You know, the funny thing for me after that experience at that vineyard worship retreat, um, I get to the end of the week and my small group leader, Reagan, he says, okay, do you have anybody back at home that you can continue this with? And all of a sudden it occurred to me, I'd been on staff at a church for a year and I had no friends. <laughs> like the light bulb went off. I mean, it's, it seems silly to me now. I mean, I had acquaintances, I had friends, but not really any relationships that I'm talking about here where I could actually be open, honest, be myself and, and share things. And, and all of a sudden it occurred to me, I was like, Reagan, like, yeah, I don't have that. <laughs> I'm on staff at a church, but I don't really have that. I'm around 2,000 people every weekend, but I'm alone. And so you know what I began to do? I just began to pray, God, help me out here. I don't even know where to start. I'm not good at this relationship thing. I, as I've told you all before, I'm an only child. I'm perfectly fine being alone. My wife can tell you that. Um, sometimes I'm a little bit too comfortable being alone. Um, so being with other people has been a discipline for me. But you know, after praying that prayer for a few months, God began to open up relationships. And I can tell you, in the last 12 years, I've not lived in isolation. And I tell you, I know very few pastors that have open, honest relationships in their life, especially with people in their churches. I'd say it's probably less than 10% of pastors that I know. I mean, I only know a sliver. But I can tell you, I don't do this thing alone. I love what Paul says. He says, I'm pressing on. And there's such, a, such an idea of humility in Paul's thing. He says, look, um, God's dealt with my past, but I'm not done yet. I'm, a, I'm not a finished work. I haven't arrived. I know I've written half the New Testament, but... I'm still a work in progress. I'm pressing on. I'm forgetting those things. I'm not really forgetting them, but I'm seeing them through the lens of Christ now. And, and, and I'm reaching forward to what he's called me to. And then in Philippians 3.15, the, the part that was not on the front page of your uh, outline, uh, your bulletin, Paul says, All of us who are mature should take the same view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Think about how revolutionary this is. Paul was the guy that used to hunt down, divide families, and even have people killed because they didn't believe with his particular version of religion. And now he's saying, those of you who believe in the resurrection, who, who are mature in the faith, will agree with me on what I've just said. But even if you don't agree with me, I'm confident that God's going to show you the way. Just let that sink in for a second. How gracious are we with other people who disagree with us, particularly on our views of religion? I, I, get, I get people all the time sending me messages and stuff. What do you believe about this and this and this? And it's like they want to just, I'm like, you know, if you want to have a conversation, talk face-to-face, -face, well, I'm not going to do this game. <laughs> I know in this church we've got people that believe all kinds of different things. I'm okay with that. Because I believe if we're all heading after God, He's going to work it all out, and we're all going to figure out what He wants us to figure out, right? 
But that's a gracious place to be. But to me, that is evidence in Paul's journey of the transforming work of Jesus in his life. And that's why Paul talks so much about the grace of God, because only a person who's encountered the grace of God can say, hey, if you disagree with me, that's okay. I'm sure God will show you. I don't have to beat you up over it. I don't have to boycott you. (laughs) I don't have to have a war on Facebook with you. Defriend you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Unfollow you. The guy who once persecuted people who didn't believe the way he did can now say that he trusts God to show them the way even if they don't agree with them. You know, we typically, or at least probably more than half the time, we end our service with communion. And I was going to do communion today, but I thought, I think we're going to do communion in a different way today by not taking it. (laughs) Imaginary communion. When Jesus introduces the Lord's Supper... On the night that, that, that he's betrayed, he breaks the bread, he takes the cup, he says, do this in remembrance of me. And we take that line in the church to mean, do this by break the bread and take the cup and remember Jesus. That's kind of the standard Christian interpretation. But what if Jesus wasn't actually trying to implement a sacrament there? What if Jesus wasn't even trying to say, like, you need to, to, to drink of the cup and take the the bread every week or every time you get together and remember them. What if Jesus was actually saying, live in the reality of communion here? Live in this reality? Like what I'm doing, what this bread and this cup symbolizes, like me laying my life down from you, entering into your brokenness? What if Jesus was saying, do that in remembrance of me? See, this is the thing. No matter what kind of brokenness you carry, I really believe the way, if we can come to see God in our stories, if we can have God deal with our shame, where we can be open and honest with each other, in a sense, we are creating a communion table with our stories. We are creating a space as we share our stories with one another, the the same as the communion table where God is there. And we are transformed. I think the most judgmental people that I encounter in the world today, the ones who are looking down their nose, who are accusing other people, who spend all their energy pointing their finger at other people, are often folks that have all this stuff on the inside that has has not been dealt with. They've yet to experience the grace of God, the, the love of God, the life of God within, so they settle for artificial life. It feels pretty good to dog out other groups of people, right? I mean, come on. When you stir up that righteous indignation and you find a bunch of cool blogs and articles that back up your opinion on Facebook and you post them, it feels good, doesn't it? Come on. You know I mean, anybody want to be honest with me? Okay, maybe you're not on social media. But when you find some, somebody on, on your, your favorite news program that's doing the editorial and they're saying what you think, it's like, mm, yeah, that tastes good. That feels good. I feel so alive. Right? You feel alive. 
There's something about judging other people, putting them in their place. Like, oh, I feel alive. But it's artificial life, isn't it? Because it's like a drug. It, it, only, it only makes you feel good for a little bit, and then you got to get more. And we do that because of the lack of experience of God's grace in our own stories. Because we got all this unresolved stuff within we use judgment, resentment, anger. We use these things as, a, as an artificial means of life, but it never truly gets at the stuff within. What if your deepest, darkest secrets, what if the pain you carry from your past, from your childhood, from things that you have done to hurt other people, what if all those things you've been carrying all these years could actually become a place where other people could encounter God? That is what Paul is getting at. I press on. I'm not forgetting, denying my past, but I press on. What would it be like to be a community of people where we can be open and honest, where we can share our true selves with one another? Well, the good news is I see that happening. And I want to see that continue. As much as I love certain aspects of our church. I don't want people to say, oh, I, I go to that church where they got really good coffee, good music, amazing messages on a weekly basis. <laughs> I'd rather hear people say, those people are unpretentious. They're genuine they're real. And I don't mean just like real, like a trendy, thing, you know, oh, they, they get real over there. I mean, like, there's an authenticity that when people walk in, that folks would feel at ease to be themselves. Why don't y'all stand? Can I invite some of the prayer team folks up here if we got some prayer team folks? I've just got a few reflection questions that uh, you, you take your bulletin home with you, but ask yourself this. When have you felt you were given permission to be honest with people about your own story because they were honest with you about your story? Remember those times. Then ask this question of yourself. How is God retelling the stories of your life? How is God reconfiguring uh, your understanding of your own past? And then finally, is there anyone with whom God may be inviting you to share your story this week? I, if you feel like you are at a point where God has removed the shame of, of some things in your past, ask yourself, who can you share your story with this week? Who can you share your brokenness with? Who can you share your failures with? <laughs> who can you share some of those things that you might have been ashamed of in the past? That's hospitality.
God, Lord, I, I pray, Lord, this morning for those who maybe as I'm talking this morning are carrying great shame. Lord, those who may feel like they're the only ones who struggle. God, I just pray that the lies of the enemy would be uh, dispelled, Lord. And I just thank you for every person that's here this morning that they, uh, God, I believe that they're here to encounter the love of Christ, Lord. And there's no coincidence, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that that would happen. That those who feel far away, those who feel alone, those who feel like damaged goods, those who feel so unworthy of your love, God, would feel your love this morning in a tangible way, that they would know that they are loved unconditionally by you, God. And Lord, I pray for those who are maybe struggling to be able to share their story, God, that they would see their stories in a new light, God. I pray that we would be a community of people who are courageous to be honest and open. That we wouldn't have to pretend or act like we got it together. But like Paul, we could just say, hey, we're pressing on. We've encountered you, and may we still encounter you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to invite you, if, if you'd like some prayer for anything this morning, come up here to our prayer team at the front. And I would just encourage you, again, a little pitch for our Celebrate Recovery thing on Wednesday nights. If, if, if you would like to experience some authentic places where you can be open and honest, then make plans to, to join us this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All right here. God bless y'all. See you next Sunday.